Hello and welcome to the Stories About Autism podcast, to what I guess I'm calling season two. Kind of had a bit of an unplanned break uh, between this episode and the previous episode, largely, if I'm honest, because of the summer holidays. It kind of got in the way. Anyway, I'm back now, hoping to be bringing you an episode every single week. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please do go and check out some of the previous episodes. There's been some great stories so far. Just to give you a quick rundown, my name's James. I'll be your host each week. I'm the dad to two boys, Tommy and Jude, who are both on the spectrum. And I write the blog Stories About Autism, where you'll get an insight into our everyday lives. Each week on the podcast, I'll be speaking to a special guest who will be telling their own story about autism. So far, I've been speaking to autistic adults and parents of children with autism, and I'll be doing the same in this series, but also I'll be speaking to professionals too. So I've got a couple of teachers lined up, a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, and I'm sure we'll get some valuable tips from their experiences too. The idea behind the podcast was to try and show just how different and unique each autism story is. And if I can spread a little bit more awareness and acceptance along the way, then that's good too. This week, I'll be talking to Nicole. Nicole writes a blog called My Boy Blue, which is about her and her son Riley. I've been friends with Nicole for a little while now. Um, got to know her earlier on this year, really. Uh, she convinced me to get involved in a campaign on Snapchat, of all places, Um an autism campaign that she put together, which was amazing. It went so, so well. And yes, yeah, so I was really excited to get to speak to her. Um, I think you'll find her story really interesting because there's a, there's a few things in there for, for everyone. And Nicole's story is a bit different as well because they actually have, uh, Riley has an autism service dog. And I know I've had loads of people ask me about them before. So um, it's, it's great for Nicole to come on and, and talk about that. So anyway, thank you for joining me. I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you have any comments, any ideas of who you'd like me to speak to, please, please, please just drop me a message. I'd love to get some feedback on the podcast and get as many people listening as possible. Anyway, here's the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my chat with Nicole. Okay, hello, Nicole. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So we finally get to speak after months and months and months of messaging. I know. <laughs> I always find it strange like when you get to know somebody online for, for a long time and then you actually get to speak. I so, know. And the accents are so funny as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in case anyone doesn't recognise Nicole's accent and doesn't follow Nicole online, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, so I am from Cork in Ireland. And I have a page on Facebook called My Boy Blue, which is based around my little boy, Riley, who is nearly five. He'll be five in October um, and he has a diagnosis of autism. And yeah, we set it up in 2017 um, just to try to spread awareness more than anything else. And it just kind of took off and it's going really well, thank God. Yeah, is that all it was just last year? Yeah, January 2017. Yeah. My crazy idea. I got up one day and was like, I think I'm going to do this. <laughs> and I've been, yeah, and I was like, no, will I, won't I? And I sat down that night and did it and pressed publish, you know, with the wave to publish your page. 
So I pressed publish and I turned off my phone for two hours because I was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's scary, isn't it? When you hit it's publish so for scary. the first time. Yeah, it's really scary because you're like, I'm putting myself out here now and you know the way things are. So um, no, it's the best thing I ever did. I have to say yeah. now. Definitely is. Exactly. Otherwise you wouldn't be talking to me. Exactly. <laughs> Friends. Yeah. Perfect. So so you said Riley's nearly five, that's right? Yeah, he'll be five now at the end yeah. of October. Okay, so if we sort of start at the beginning when when Riley was born, like when I think a lot of parents well, they they always ask me this anyway, like what what was it that first sort of made you suspect that something might be different about Riley? Yeah. Like with Riley, he's always been like really social and really interactive and we actually had um words with him so like you know your typical baby words so he said like baba and mama and up and out and the usual mm-hmm. and now he never would have clapped his hands or waved bye bye um but when he hit about 16 17 months his words one by one started to disappear and by the time he was 17 nearly 18 months he was completely mute so we had no babble oh, we had wow. no words we had nothing he literally lost everything and at the time he had been sick with like a really bad virus and they were saying oh this is just a reaction to the virus and I was like no it's not I was like it's definitely not because it's not that they all went together Do you know they kind yeah. of regressed one by one so I actually went to my own GP and I was like something there's something there definitely and he was saying, look, he's like, I'll give you a month just to see, can you get any words back? He's like, just to rule out that it wasn't the sickness. So I said, grand. And we went home and I, like, for that month, the poor child, I wrecked his head to try to get him to say a word. Because um, obviously you're like, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. Yeah. And in that four weeks, I got him to say um, mama. And within a week of saying it, it was gone again. So I went back to the doctor and that was the first day, I think, that someone actually mentioned the word autism to me. Um, now, obviously, do you know you know yourself, James, like you look up everything online and you're like, why could my child be losing his words or why yeah. could this be happening? And Google is the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'd obviously seen it before and I was like, OK, but going in there, I never expected him to actually say it to me. And I came out of there and we came home and literally every time I looked at him I just cried because I was like no it's, he's not autistic I'd have known if he was autistic mm. and it went from there and he was referred for assessment at 18 months so like the major thing for me I think definitely was the words looking back now there's so many red flags there I just didn't know what they were really okay. so yeah like his eye contact was always bad um, but I think he always made eye contact with me so I never really took any notice that he'd avoid eye contact with everybody else. Yeah. And that's something we really, really had to work on with Riley is eye contact because he, you could be talking to him and he actually is listening to you, but he'll never look at you. He like never clapped his hands. He never waved bye-bye. Um, like typical things that I think because he's my first child, I was like, ah, he's a boy, he's lazy. Do you know? Yeah, that I was putting I thought, off. Yeah. yeah, that I was putting off, but they were typical red flags. And looking back now, it's actually really obvious, you know. But I suppose when you don't, like, I never had anyone in my life who had autism and I never, not that, like, I would have known about autism, but I wouldn't have known realist, the re, like, the reality of it. And I just didn't know what it was, you know. And I think that that first day when the doctor said it to me, it was like, you know, that, like, when you get a kick in your stomach and you're like, oh, my God. But 
looking back now, like if I had another child in the morning and they were showing the same signs as Riley, I'd know now. Yeah, of course. But parents don't know it, do you know? Yeah, so typically, like the major thing for us was his speech. But then that brought around everything else, do you know? Mm. But he was really young when he started showing signs, definitely. So you said until you went into the doctors that day, that was the first time really you you sort of thought about autism and when he actually said it. Yeah. How did you feel like when you, I know you said you, you know, you was crying every time you was looking at him, but like. Yeah. I just think that it like, I don't know. I think that it hit me like a ton of bricks and Mm. I was saying, you know, this isn't the way, like in my own head, I was saying like, it's not the way it should be. And it's not fair on him. And as a parent, I think you want to take it away. Do you know what I mean? And you want to be able to fix it. And with something like autism, there is no taking it away and there is no being able to take it from them and do it yourself. And I think I just was, for him, I not that I felt sorry for him, that's the wrong way to say it, but there's an element of grief that comes with it, I think. For me, anyway, there definitely was that. All these things that I had planned on doing with him and things that I dreamed of doing with him and one word can actually take all that away from you, you know? And I think that that was my major thing that I was like, what way, what, like, what are we going to be able to do? What is he going to, and like, is he going to be happy? That was my major thing at the time was like, is he going to be happy? Like, is he going to be a happy little boy and be able to go through everything like that a neurotypical child can go through? And is he going to like, everything goes through your head, like school and like, is he going to be with me for the rest of his life as an adult? And it just hit, it hit like it hit me like a ton of bricks I have to say mm. um but with me and it's typical of me I always do it I pushed it to the back of my mind and I was like okay I'm just gonna fight for him now and get him what he needs and it wasn't until about 12 months after Riley's diagnosis that I absolutely hit a wall really um, okay. yeah absolutely hit a wall and I because I think I was suppressing it so much and I was like, it's fine, it's fine, you know, we're going to get through it, it's fine. And then there came to, came to like a stage where I was like, it's actually not fine, you know. And I went through a time where I was kind of like, oh my God, how can I be happy when I can't fix it for him? And I think everything that I like put to the back of my mind came out, you know. And it, like I've heard of a lot of parents that do that and it is very hard, but I spoke well my family spoke to me about it they were like Nicole you're not happy and I was like no I'm not but it took a long while for me to come to the realization that things were going to be okay and now I know they're going to be okay but I had to actually sit down and talk about it and go and get help because like this is absolutely a life-changing diagnosis not just for your child but for your whole family you know and since I did this it was November was it October or November last year I went to the doctor and spoke about it and it's pure anxiety because the fear for the future and not knowing what actually is going to happen and since I did that I'm in such a better place but it took me two years definitely I think that's that's really brave and honest of you to share like I'm I'm sure you get it a lot through your page you know your page is very positive you know I try and be very positive as well and I get lots of messages from parents who aren't in that place and you know are yeah. much earlier on down the line and as you said you know you was as well and I definitely was as well you know what you suddenly get that 
complete fear of what the future holds. Exactly, yeah. And all and your I, plans like, have I guess changed. Everything changes, do you know? And like, I get messages from parents being like, "How are you so positive all the time?" And I'm like, "Lads, like, I could like just like you, you can choose what you put up on your page, do you know?" And like awareness pages are fabulous and I like I love the community that I've gotten into from my page and getting to know everybody and whatever but I think you have to be real on it and you have to show that side of it and I think just like with your page like I've shown the reality and I've shown like the bad days and obviously the good days and you celebrate every milestone but I wouldn't like to be a parent sitting at home reading a page being like oh everything's rosy in the garden because it's not like you know and especially at the start it is very very but I get so many messages from parents being like how do you stay so positive and I'm like guys like there's some days I just don't come on like because some days it just hits you like a ton of bricks you know and even now still now like that it would like we've been going through it with him since he was about 16 months like he's nearly five and just like you with your boys like some days it just slaps you in the face it really does you know but there's more positives than negatives, definitely, I have to say. And once they're happy, and like really the really happy little boy, you know you can help them through it, like, do you know? So go, going back sort of to around that time, like 18 months, two years old, like what, as you said, you didn't really know anything about autism back then. So what, yeah. what did you discover in those early days? Like what, what did you find out? I think I went to, into overdrive as in like, ordering books online about autism and ordering this and you know like looking up information and and at the end of the day it's so true what they say like every child is so different that mm. you could read so many things and it couldn't apply to your child yeah. you know and I think what I did was I took a step back and I was like right I just need to focus on him and yeah obviously I wanted to learn about autism but I think everyone's journey is so different that you really just have to go with your child and see how to help them and it took a lot of time for me to understand Riley's mannerisms and things like that I think because he like he's a very very happy little boy but because like he is nonverbal, he gets very very frustrated and like I had to learn myself like how to calm my own child down you know I had to learn what works and what doesn't work and what could work with an or typical child could send Riley over the edge it's a real learning curve and I think I the best thing I did was talk to other parents because you don't feel as alone and I've built up a great, great little group now that I can go to and I can say to them, lads, he's doing this, I don't know what to do and they'll give you advice and nine out of ten, ten things that they say might work but there might be one thing that does, do you know? And I think the major thing that I always say to people is just talk to other parents who are going through it because like it is a very very lonely journey otherwise and like you can only learn by going like you you're never you never know it all do you know and I think we're always learning because our kids change so much and especially with Riley he could be doing something this week and he'd be fine with it and then next week it is like the end of the world do you know so (laughs) you're always learning do you know but definitely I think talking to people was the major thing that helped me online stuff actually made me more sad because I think how did you find those other parents in the beginning uh, major things like support groups there is a club in Cork that we attended and it was a kids club but I got to know the parents there as well and it was actually funny because when Riley was diagnosed and I set up the page the amount of people that I actually know who have kids with autism and I never knew it 
came to me, you know. Um, and I suppose because it wasn't in my life, I didn't take notice of it, which yeah. is actually so wrong. But I actually found friends that like I was in school with that have kids who are on the spectrum and I never knew, you know, and they've become a major support for me. But it's like everything, unless it knocks on your front door, you don't know much about it, you know? Yeah, and I, I think, I'm, I'm sure you know yourself, like when having autism in your life, often you and your family become quite isolated because you, you stop going to the social occasions. So, you, you know, probably your your old school friends, you wouldn't know because yeah, you suddenly exactly. stop seeing them. And, and like friends then that I would have had that would have been around us all the time, the minute a diagnosis came about, they disappeared. Hmm. So you really, really do find out who your true friends are, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because there are people, like, they could be people that were in school with me and we probably wouldn't have even said hello to each other. Do you know what I mean? And now they're, like, my best friends. But it's because they understand, and I think the understanding is a major part of it, definitely. So getting back to the, the diagnosis, um, what happened for you like what what happens straight after like what, what's it like in Ireland what in Ireland yeah in Ireland it's a bit crazy so Riley was referred for assessment so in Ireland they refer you for um an assessment to need yeah and um legally this assessment is meant to start within three months and be finished within six months um so legally you should have your diagnosis in six months after referral that doesn't happen, unfortunately. So Riley's actually took 22 months. 22 months? Yeah. And so that 22 was with months since he was 18 months when you spoke to the doctor? or It was. He was referred for it. First day we referred for it at 16 months so that he would be put forward for speech therapy. But then it changed into an actual ASD referral. But it was the biggest fight of my life. And... I know any family who live in Ireland or know someone who lives in Ireland that are getting an assessment, it is absolutely draining because you ring them and they don't actually answer the phone. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. But when it came to it, really, it was a case of if I don't have a diagnosis, he can't go to school um, because you have to have an official HSE diagnosis here for them to get supports in school. Yeah. And we went legally about it. That was how we got his diagnosis on time and only for that he wouldn't be getting it at the moment and I was talking to a parent last night whose child was referred for assessment to need so you have to go through a complaints process and she's gone through the complaints process and got a letter yesterday to tell her that the wait list now is 48 months 48 months yeah for assessment wow it's absolutely disgraceful it is I mean the poor parents are waiting that long and the poor children like that's it yeah and all that time without the right support like you can actually get um obviously a private diagnosis and pay for it but the schools here don't accept a private diagnosis so you have to have your hsc diagnosis so it means that kids literally won't be able to go to school like yeah which is horrendous like in this day and age you know and they they they're blaming it on funding which is the funniest excuse of all time because there's a lot of things they're spending money on that they could be spending on kids with disabilities but it's an absolute fight over here to get a diagnosis definitely and I know a lot of parents it's very very hard on them and it's absolutely draining especially like I've one child I know families who have 
two and three kids and they're fighting for the three kids to get assessment and they're being told there's a wait list of two or three years and there's families who are actually taking our health system to the high court yeah. to um get assessment because that's as far as you have to go to get it which is a disgrace and it's literally only kids with autism that are having to do it do you know so yeah ireland has a lot to learn and it has a lot to progress with i think when it comes to our kids but at the moment it's absolutely crazy <laughs> it sounds it i mean we were really lucky back you know when jude was diagnosed about nine years ago it probably took about about five or six months i think and that felt like an eternity yeah but speaking to other parents in england now you know it it varies depending on what county you live in you know some people are getting it under a year some people are, again two or three years it's yeah. just crazy that it depends it's where crazy you live. Yeah. but that's it isn't it it's like the in cork where we live now there's two parts so like there's northly and there's southly so we're in northly so really is under the northly service if you live in southly you'll actually get your assessment faster than if you live in Northley. Yeah. So it's literally which side of the river you live on. And there can be a difference there every year. Do you know, it's like crazy because I know a friend of mine, her little girl was being assessed and they told her that she'd be waiting two and a half years for assessment. But if she lived in Southley, it would be done in seven months. That's terrible. It's literally what side of the river you live on. Like it yeah. is crazy. Okay, so when you finally did win your your battle and get the diagnosis, like what yeah. what support do you receive, or what support have you had since then? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, so literally over here, when you get your diagnosis, they hand you a piece of paper with your diagnosis on it, and that is it. They were sent out of the room. They say on the report that he needs um, psychology. He needs occupational therapy speech therapy physiotherapy and there's meant to be a social worker put in place for you and he's been diagnosed two years two years and we haven't seen anybody it's making yeah, me angry <laughs> yeah very angry now i have and you've seen my posts on my page james like yeah. i've put it out there straight away and i don't have any shame in doing it because there's so many families that are going through it and he was actually offered a block of ot last year and it when they give kids therapy here they literally get a block of six sessions so they see them six times and then they're put to the end of a three-year waiting list again and he was offered a block of ot and we walked in the door and it, the therapist that was there now she was lovely and it wasn't her fault she turned around and she was like can you just fill out this form for me and i was like yeah no problem and i handed it back to her and she said oh do you have a diagnosis and i was like yeah he's diagnosed you know and she was like okay she's like i can't work with him and I was like, what do you mean you can't work with him? And she said, because he's diagnosed, I can't work with him. She's like, if he was diagnosed, if he wasn't diagnosed, I could give him six sessions of OT right now. And she sent him away. So there was an empty clinic with a therapist. <laughs> the child was there and they actually sent him away because he has a diagnosis. And he was put to the end of a two year waiting list then for therapy again. Wow. Even though it was their mistake. But there are so many families over here that are crying out for it because like, you know yourself how expensive private therapy is. Yeah. And they're just not being given the supports at all. It's craziness. Um, we did see a speech therapist this summer. She was meant to see him six times. I think she saw him twice because I had put it up on my page and there was a bit of trouble over me putting it up on my page. So they tried to shut me up 
um, by giving him two sessions of speech therapy. But she completely underestimated him. She didn't know how to actually deal with him. Hmm. And I just think that they're they're tiring all the kids under one, you know, with one brush because they're saying, oh, he's autistic, he can't do this. When in reality, like, yeah, he can't talk, but he can communicate in other ways. And she just wasn't, it wasn't very good. But we're lucky that I'm in a position that I can get him private therapy. And he is, he has been getting private therapy since he was 18 months. So he has progressed a lot. But if it was left to the the health system over here, he would be still back where he was at 18 months, do you know? So it sounds like there's a lot that needs changing. Like if I started now, <laughs> it's just mind blowing. Yeah, like mind blowing. Okay, so let's let's get back to the positives then. Um, please, what, yes, yeah. please. <laughs> so the therapies he had, uh, that Riley has been doing. Like, t- tell us a little bit about that. I know parents always, you know, again ask ask me like, what do I recommend? What yeah. what's worked for Tommy and Jude? So tell us a bit about what what's worked for Riley. Um, the first person that we saw with him was a speech therapist and obviously like people say to me why, why are you getting him speech therapy when he can't talk and I'm like because like he needs to be able to communicate and a speech therapist is the person who helped us be able to understand him and helped him to be able to communicate with us without words yeah we're very lucky now that between school and speech therapy he is now fully signing to us. So we use law of sign language, which is like an Irish version of sign language for kids who can hear. So like if I'm signing back to him, I say the word. So it's encouraging them to pick up the sounds while they're signing. That wouldn't have been possible unless we did therapy because she literally worked on his eye contact because obviously he couldn't learn to sign without being able to look at us. And she has been absolutely amazing. But the major thing that I always say to people is don't go into speech therapy thinking that your child is going to come out talking, you know, because we've been doing it since he was 18 months, like, you know, and, but you find out the different things that it's for and communication was the massive thing for us. Like we're at the stage now where I can actually have an argument with him in sign language (laughs) and people are looking at me laughing and I'm like, no, he's actually being really bold, but that wouldn't have been possible without the therapy, you know? And then he has done occupational therapy since he was a, like a baby as well, since he was like 18 months. And we go to her every week and she is like part of our family. She's absolutely amazing. And she's taught us how to help him to regulate himself. Like things like, you know, transitions into school and toilet training, which we're in the middle of. And a lot of it is for me to learn. But she really, really helps with him. And like we went up last week to her and he was having a really bad day and he gets so stressed. And she, by the time he came out from her after the hour, he was like someone who could fall asleep because she just knows him so well that she knows how to calm him down. Mm. But yeah, she's been absolutely amazing. We did try hippotherapy with him, which is occupational therapy on horseback. Okay. And yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Like, the benefits that I saw from it in eight weeks when we did the block were unbelievable. And he was so calm, but really randomly got a fear of horses. So we couldn't go back. And yeah, like, don't ask me. I don't know. Was it the noise because we were in a stables and obviously, you know, when the wind was blowing and the horses were really loud, I think it was more that his ears were too sensitive. Yeah. But it's definitely something that I would try with him again because the movement of the horse was really, really calming. 
And obviously it's lovely for them to be able to do something with animals and he loves animals. But yeah, there's like, it's an absolute minefield, I think, with therapy because you don't know what's going to suit your child. Yeah, um, but I think definitely the occupational therapy and the speech therapy have been winners for us. But that doesn't mean that it would suit every child, you know. I've always found sort of the occupational therapy fascinating because it is so important for our kids to help them regulate and obviously uh, each child has different things that they need. But what, what are some yeah. of the things that you've picked up from it that you use, like strategies you use with Riley to help him? Um, like I think with him, definitely Riley seeks a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, always he just, you could squeeze him all day. But when you squeeze him, you can actually feel the tension going out of his body. It's crazy. But especially as he's gotten bigger, she's definitely helped me find ways to do it because I'm not strong enough to squeeze him. And he is just getting stronger by the day. So she's finding other ways to do it. So she's introduced like weighted vests to us, um, like bear hug vests that gives him the pressure without someone having to actually squeeze him. He has a weighted blanket for when he goes to sleep that to calm him down like she's been able to introduce all these things to me that I wouldn't have had a clue about you know Riley's a major chewer like an absolutely major chewer like he'd chew you if you stood in front of him and he like she's introduced things to help with that like he has a little it looks it's called a Z vibe for all the world it's like a little um toothbrush that it vibrates and to desensitize his mouth you know like to desensitize his mouth so it's things like that, I think, that she has been absolutely invaluable for. And I think as he gets bigger, I'm going to need her even more because his strength is absolutely outrageous. And you know yourself when they go into meltdown mode, like trying to calm them down is so hard. And when they're so strong, you you need to know how to do it. Like, you know, that's one thing definitely that I fear is his strength. Definitely. And that's why I need someone to actually help me with it because he's going to be taller than me by the time he makes his communion I'd say he's so tall so what what do you do when Riley's home? like how does a meltdown sort of present itself for Riley what happens it's kind of changed a bit over the last few months it used to be that he'd throw himself on the floor and he would cover his ears and you literally could not touch him like if you touched him that was the end of the world so like if he had a meltdown in a shopping center I used to literally have to sit on the floor next to him but now he's started to lash out a bit more. Right. Only at me. Anyone else could be in the room and he won't lash out at them. It's only at me. And they're saying that's because I'm like his comfort blanket and I'm the person that he knows in his head that is not going to get too angry if he does lash out, which makes sense when you think about it, but it's very, very hard at the time. So he'll actually lash out and he's so strong that he wants to be squeezed, but he doesn't want to be touched. So you're trying to grab him and like you could end up getting a headbutt or a kick or a slap or yeah, it's bad at the moment. Now, we're very lucky that they're not very, they don't happen very often at the moment. He doesn't get a lot of meltdowns at the moment, but when they do happen, then it could take him like an hour or two to calm down. Definitely. He goes from like zero to 105 minutes. (laughs) So yeah, it's definitely getting harder as he's getting older, I think. But I think with him at the moment, he doesn't know his own strength. So he doesn't actually realize. And obviously, because he's not in control of his body when he's in a meltdown, he doesn't realize what he's doing. And then afterwards, he's coming over and he's hugging and kissing you and seeing, are you okay? Do you know, so it's not badness when he's lashing out, but it is very, very hard. 
to handle you'd want to have two people there like definitely yeah because he's definitely stronger than me <laughs> that wouldn't be hard though <laughs> <laughs> and are you able to sort of predict when they're going to happen or are you able to figure out why they happen yeah with him at the moment i think i've definitely found you can see a little pattern that starts with Rayleigh before he goes into meltdown and he will stim more you can see him like he can't relax and then you can see him getting more into his own little brain he goes like he can't talk but he's very vocal as in like he'll vocally stim so he goes really quiet and it literally flips in one second so if you get to him before that flips you could kind of calm it before it starts but he does have tell signs but then there are days when it happens that you're like I didn't see this coming do you know but I think I've learned to read him a bit more now me more than anybody else I think other people are kind of like oh he's very quiet and I'm like no he's in his own little head now and that is a bad thing so you literally have to pull him out it is hard to predict sometimes he's very obsessive though very obsessive and the thing that he loves the most and he's obsessed with could be the thing that sends him over the edge so I always know like to take things away from him if he gets in that mood because he literally can't rest and it's like his brain can't shut down and that's when it starts and it can be absolute hell in five seconds you know but you know yourself they could be unpredictable some days then and you're like what what just happened there like you know yeah I think I am getting better at telling the signs but then there's days where he just surprises me and I'm like well that's new you know (laughs) am am I right in thinking one of his obsessions maybe not now but recently was uh about supermarket oh yeah he's still obsessed yeah still obsessed yeah still obsessed and it's with Riley at the moment their logos are a huge thing that he's obsessed with and the super value logo from day one has been a massive obsession and they have like you probably have them as well they're like little tags that you put on your keys and you scan to get points every yeah, time you yeah, go to yeah. the shop so the super value have them and we used to be like i have a stack of about 30 of them inside because he just collects them but he'll walk around with it in his hand and it's like his safe object that he walks around with once he has that he's fine but the obsession like it's a lovely one because he wants to be involved in the shopping and he wants to do like go in and get his bits which is lovely because that for our kids can be really hard but it is the worst thing in the world then for him as well because you can be guaranteed when it comes to it that it's too overwhelming that he can't actually cope with it. So mm. something that he loves the most actually sends him into meltdown more times. Now, they've been absolutely amazing with him over here. And we went through a stage where he was going into the supermarket and they all have the uniforms with the logos on. And he was trying to take the jackets off the boys in the supermarket <laughs> to put it on him. And the owner of our local one um, actually got him a jacket made. Oh, and really? they, Yeah, they, they got him a uniform and they brought him out to... Um, bring him for spins on their trucks and like they just made him the happiest little boy in the world but then that uniform has to be hidden and he can have it at certain times because if I give that to him at certain times of the day you're guaranteed to laugh about him but yeah he is very obsessive about it and we've gotten to the stage where it's rare that I'll actually bring him in there because it's really really hard for him because he just gets so overwhelmed and there's so many things inside there that he likes and he can't cope with it. And then you could bring him in another day and he could be perfectly fine, but you can't predict it. So it would literally be a day where we're not doing anything else. 
um, and where we've nothing planned that I could bring him in there because you don't know what way it's going to go. But yeah, they've been absolutely amazing. But it's funny, like it's a funny obsession. I had to get him like his own little shop and he goes behind it at home, takes all the stuff out of the cupboards and puts it into his little shop and sits behind it on a chair and pretends he's playing shop, you know. But the obsession can change so fast. Yeah. You know, that one has stuck now for about a year and a half. But there's been other ones that have come in and out with it. But it can be very, very hard to manage, I think, definitely, because he doesn't understand why he can't have things. And he doesn't understand why he can't go in there. Like every day he asks me, he signs to me to go to the big red shop. And that's super value. And every day I have to tell them that they're closed for lunch. Because <laughs> if I brought him in there, it's game over. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a funny one, all right. But they have been absolutely amazing to him. Yeah, it sounds like it's great that they've uh, they've done that for him. Yeah, they're fab. So is that Willow I can hear barking in the background? Um, it is, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I put um, I put something on my Instagram page last week, uh, seeing what questions to ask you, asking all my followers, and overwhelmingly, or they were nearly all about your dog Willow. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Do you want to tell everyone a little, little bit about about Willow? Yeah. So Riley got paired with Willow in august of last year she's um an autism service dog with my canine companion here in ireland so they're um, an irish-based charity that provides service dogs for people with autism we like when it came around that riley was going forward for assessment i put his name down because he's always been always an absolute flight risk so basically what that means is he sees no danger and when he gets free like away from us or if he got out on his own riley just runs and he's run across a road, he's run into main roads, he's run in front of cars and he's a danger to himself, but he's actually a danger to other people as well, because obviously running in front of cars and stuff, you wouldn't know what he would cause. So we put his name down for a service dog and he was paired with her last August. So we did the puppy program with them. So basically what it means is you get your puppy at, we got Willow, she was 12 weeks old and the puppy grows with the child. So um she is now 15 16 months 15 months 15 and she is now actually gone into the charity for qualification so basically what it means is the dog grows with your child so that they bond because if I brought a fully grown dog in here to Riley he wouldn't bond with it not a hope so we did puppy class with her so we went to puppy class with trainers every month and then every week you have a socialization class so you meet up with the other parents who have dogs and they all go out to like we brought them out shopping centers we brought them on trains we brought them on buses everything to get them used to everyday life that it could be with your child and as much as it's been amazing for the dog it's been amazing to get to know other people who have kids on the spectrum as well but she has absolutely changed his life already and she's gone in for qualification now which means that they go into training with the top trainers for 16 weeks and she will hopefully fingers crossed qualify um the week before Christmas this year and then the goal with her because Riley is such a flight risk is that they're going to actually attach Riley to her so she wears a coat when we're out and that gives her the rights to go into places so she can literally go everywhere she has more rights than a human to go into places actually and there's going to be a special strap of her coat attached around Riley's waist 
so that he can walk independently next to her, but he actually can't get away from her. Yeah. So she's being trained now that like if he tried to bolt or if he tried to get away, that she'll anchor him. And she is really strong. She's an Irish doodle, so she's a mix between an Irish setter and a poodle. So she has the intelligence, but also the strength, which is fabulous. And like she's so in tune with him. If Riley has a meltdown, Willow is the first person that's over to him. And like I said before, like he seeks pressure and she's never actually been shown how to do it, but she lies on top of him to give him really? pressure. Yeah. Um, if he's having a bad day, um, she'll actually, because he'll lie on the floor on his beanbag and she'll actually sit on top of him. It's so funny because you can barely see the child underneath the dog like <laughs> she's so big, but she's amazing. Like she comes everywhere with us. I've actually been able to bring Riley to the cinema twice this year, something we never, ever could have done and she comes with us and he sits in his buggy he doesn't get out of his buggy to sit in the chair because it's too overwhelming but he sits in his buggy and he takes off his shoes and his socks and she lies at his feet and he rubs his feet off her to stay calm wow yeah and we've lasted the first time we lasted about an hour and a bit and the second time we actually lasted a whole movie and he holds her lead and rubs her and it just it's it's an absolute game changer because he focuses on willow rather than focusing on everything else that's going on around him. So yeah, she is definitely been a life changer for us. And it's only the beginning because when she's attached to him, it's going to be absolutely life changing because at the moment he has to be in a buggy. And you know yourself, our boys want to walk, they want to run and he doesn't want to be stuck in a buggy, you know. But for his safety, he has to be. And this means that we'll actually be able to take him places and he'll be able to walk and he'll have his best friend next to him so yeah she's amazing i would anyone who's thinking of a service dog i would a million percent recommend it now it's hard work and i'm not going to say it isn't hard work and you put a lot of time and effort into it but for us and for our family it's the best thing that we ever did she's just his best friend you know that's so sweet sounds like she's a real sort of calming influence for him amazing like and now Saying that, like when we're out and she's working, she's so calm and she knows that she's going to work and that's it. When we're at home and she has her coat off and she's just a normal dog at home, she'll play and she'll like play with him and she's she's brilliant in both aspects because she calms him when we're out, but she's like his little friend when we're at home. So she's just, yeah, she's amazing and he absolutely adores her. And was that sort of instant? Did he like? When she first like, arrived, how how was he with her then? We like we were really lucky that I've always had dogs and we've always had dogs in our right, house. Okay. So when Riley came home from the hospital as a baby, there was dogs here. Now they're small dogs. He never ever would have been with a big dog before. We have two Shih Tzus and he loved the Shih Tzus, but they were absolutely terrified of him when he started moving around. <laughs> so <laughs> he never had like that interaction. I suppose with them that he could have had with puppy and then when she came into the house now he was a bit unsure at the start and he was kind of looking at her being like what is going on here but I would put my hand on my heart and say it took 24 hours and really? he yeah he was glued to her because once he realized that he could bring her out with him that she could come everywhere with him and when she was tiny like she was tiny well she wasn't tiny but she was small when we got her if he wanted her on his lap he could have her on his lap in his buggy and she was a novelty for him, I think. And now the first thing he does when he comes in from school is go to her, you know, 
and they'll go into his room and he sits on his beanbag and she sits down with him and that that's like his routine. So their bond is just unbelievable. Like he got out of the house two or three weeks ago. Well, actually he's gotten out since, but this time he got out and she, there's a road in front of our house. So I heard the front door open and I ran to go, but Willow actually got out in front of me and she ran in front of him and blocked the road so that he couldn't get out. Wow. Yeah. And if she sees him crying, she's straight over to him. Like their bond is just yeah. unbelievable, you know? And I think it's because there's no expectations there. Like he knows that she's not expecting too much of him and she knows that he just wants her to mind him, you know? So they just understand each other, but she's very, very in tune with his sensory issues. Oh, that's amazing. You're, <laughs> you're nearly convincing me to uh, <laughs> look into getting a dog. <laughs> They're fabulous. Yeah. I'd like be lost without her. So it was My Canine Companion, wasn't it? That yeah. was the yeah. charity. They're amazing. And that's kind of how we first sort of got to speak because you convinced me into the world of Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while now. It took a while, to yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you convinced me into the world of Snapchat and to take part in the, this amazing campaign that you put together um, earlier on this year. So do you want to tell everyone a bit about that? Yeah, so I had... The year before, I had taken part in a campaign um, called the Mom Brigade. And it was a campaign organized by a lady called Angela Mahin. Um, she has a company in Ireland called Trusies. But this campaign was literally like 35 moms that were telling their motherhood story. And um, we were raising money for a big children's hospital here. And she approached me and she asked me would I be part of it and tell my story as an autism mom and just put the reality out there. So I said, yeah. And the campaign was absolutely amazing. So I went to Angela, it was about November last year. And I said to her, look, I have an idea, but I don't know, will it work out? And she was like, send me on. Um, she was like, write it down and send it on to me. So I was like, okay. So I sent it on to her and she was like, okay. So my idea was to do a similar campaign, but with families living with autism. And I came up with the idea that I wanted to do it for Autism Awareness Week. So I had a bit of time to think about it. And at the start, I was saying, we'll do 20, 20 people. And I'll have siblings and moms and dads. And anyway, it turned into 35 people. And then it turned into 42 people. Oh, is that how many there was? 42? Oh. Yeah. In, in the end, even though on all the promo stuff, it was actually 35 and there were 35 faces, there ended up being 42 actually do it during the week. But... So basically what we did was there was seven days and every day there was autism stories. So people were on at different times during the day on Snapchat. And it was just as a, as a mom to a child with autism, I found it lovely. The first girl that was on, Kim, and I'm sure you'll remember her, James, the yeah. very first takeover. Me and my mom watched it and Kim was the first person that did her takeover. And the way we worked it was... We set up a Snapchat account. Everyone got a login and Kim was kicking it off. So we sent her a message and I was like, here's your login details. Just go for it. And I sat at home with my mom and like I watched that takeover and it was the first one. And like I got all these people together and I got, you know, picked who was going to do it. And I never expected her takeover to hit me like it did. I literally sat there and cried and... I think that's when I knew the campaign was going to take off because it was so raw and it was so real and it was everything that all of us feel 
And that's what we wanted people to see. We wanted people to see the reality of autism and we wanted people to see the good things and the bad things, but mostly that we all take the positive out of it. And yes, our kids may have a diagnosis, but that doesn't make them any less than anybody else. And the campaign just from that, like from that takeover, it went crazy. And like, I remember when you were doing your takeover, James, and you were like, Nicole, how many people are watching? And I say, <laughs> everyone that said that to me, I lied to them before they went on because I was like, I can't tell them how many people are actually watching this. And by the end of the week, we ended up with 20,000 people watching it. Really? Yeah. Wow. The messages that were coming in and like, it was absolutely crazy. But the good thing about it is that it got so much awareness out there. And yeah. it was real people because I think like you know yourself you can watch all these tv shows and you can read all these books and you won't relate to it but if you hear someone that's actually telling their story personally and it's showing the reality and you know yourself there was a lot of tears that week and there was a lot of like upset and then there was a lot of laughter and there was a lot of funny stories and it just showed our kids do you know what it just showed like how diverse autism is because i think that one of the major takeovers that was huge for us as well that week was Casper, who was the um, boy who actually has autism himself. And he, a lot of people that watched Casper's takeover sent me a message being like, this is how I picture my child to be when he grows up. And he's an absolutely amazing young fella. And like he did the video with us this week and he's just goals. And I always say it like, we got to know so many people that week through the campaign that are on the spectrum, that are older, that are fabulous and doing amazing with their lives. And yes, they might have autism, but that didn't stop them. And I think it gave so many people so much hope, you know. But yeah, I once I convinced you to get involved, <laughs> um, which took a while. <laughs> well, I wasn't too sure about the whole Snapchat thing, to be honest. But, <laughs> yeah, but isn't it good now that you did it? No, I, I loved it. It was... Yeah, I, it was I love doing it. It was nerve wracking. I'm really glad I did it. Um, and as you said, like everybody's story was so different, but yeah. it also felt like you had a connection to everybody who spoke, whether they were um, a child with autism, an adult with autism, uh, a mum, a dad. Uh, you know, you had professionals who work with with kids with yeah. autism as well. So it was it, it was brilliant. I I really enjoyed it. I think it was definitely it was definitely one that a lot of people could relate to. Mm. Um, and I'm getting messages already from people being like, what are you doing next year? And I'm like, lads, I'm taking a year off. <laughs> and they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, but I don't actually know, James, how we could top that campaign. Mm. Like, I just think that it was so real. I don't know how we could do it. Do you yeah. know? And I think that's what we want. Like, we want the awareness out there and people to see what it's like. And that's exactly what we did while raising an absolute fortune for my canine companion, um, which was brilliant. It ended up being that we raised over 14,000 euros for them. 14,000? 14,000, yeah. yeah. That went straight to the charity. And they're a charity that don't get government funding. So they literally train these dogs for our kids and supply dogs and change people's lives. And they do it all off fundraising. So it costs... 10 grand to train a dog so through our campaign we actually trained a dog for a child and we paid for half of another dog's training yeah that's fantastic um, 
which is lovely because I think as parents, we'd all love to give something back. And if we can give a child their independence back, then that's enormous, you know? So yeah, you're going to have to get your thinking cap on there for next <laughs> year. Because you can do it now next year, James, because I think I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that another time, maybe. Deal. (laughs) Um, Obviously, I'm sure one of the reasons that you... It's very clear one of the reasons you do all what you do is is for awareness. What... What's it like where you live? Like when you go out with Riley and, you know, you're out in the community, how would you say autism awareness is in your town? Like... I wouldn't say it's amazing, but I wouldn't say it's horrendous either. Like for one bad person, like one person with a bad attitude, not one bad person, you get 10 people that are amazing. Yeah. But it's always that one person with, excuse me, with the bad attitude that sticks out in your head. We've had awful experiences and I've been very open about it on my page and I've put it up because I know there's a lot of people that are in the same position and, I've had parents like pull their kids away from him at the playground because of his stimming, because they don't understand what his stims are. I've had parents and people in shopping centres tell me that he's really bold because he's actually in the middle of a meltdown. People just don't understand. I had a woman say to me a few weeks ago that he was too big to be in a buggy and he's lazy and he should get out and walk. And I was like, if you only knew what would happen if I left him out of that buggy. Mm. Like, you're doing it for your child's safety at the end of the day, but the major thing is, is that they just don't understand and it's ignorance towards it. And I don't think people want to be ignorant. I don't think people want to offend when they say things, but they just don't understand, you know. And I think with pages like your page and my page and so many other pages that are out there and the likes of the shopping centres getting on board for autism awareness and things like that, slowly but surely we're going to get there, but it is going to take a while. And do you know what? No matter how much awareness we get out there, you're always going to have one or two people that are going to have that attitude. Yeah, of course. Oh. That's that's totally normal. You, you can't yeah. change everybody. But It's the same with everything, do you know? But I just... When they're small, and like Riley's only four, he'll be five in October, you're like, I don't want him to grow up in a world where he's being judged. And that was my major thing for the blog. And I've been really lucky where I live that... Super Value did a massive campaign for autism awareness and they actually got me down to talk to a lot of the retailers and people like that and they got um, one of the major autism advocates in Ireland, Adam Harris, who did the campaign with us. He is involved in that and he's pulled us in in our local area to help us, help it and it's made such a difference. Even to the extent of now, like if I bring Riley to the shop, the staff understand they'll turn down the lights they'll turn off the music like you literally just have to say it and they're going to do it and I think people are becoming more aware but it is going to take a lot of time for it to be widespread you know yeah and I think that's you know that's great when a a big brand gets involved because you know yeah it's amazing it's a lot of the time it's being able to access these places that that makes life difficult yeah and I think that's the isolating part of it. Mm. And that's how it can make it so lonely. And by these big brands doing it, it just means that our families can live a normal life at the end of the day. Do you know? Yeah. So you said you started your page last January. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you, you guessing in the beginning, like me, you know, you, you just tell your story because you want 
the people you know to understand it and you want yeah uh, exactly your close circle to understand what's going on and then luckily more and more people read it and it you know it, it spreads and, and that awareness you're hoping for sort of grows with it yeah and you end up doing amazing things like the, the snapchat campaign that uh that's get these crazy ideas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say personally like how has it helped you having a page i think for me it's been like this sounds funny but it's like a form of therapy mm. because i can put it out there what i'm thinking whereas i mightn't actually say that out loud to someone yeah like how i feel or if you're having a bad day or you know and you know that you're putting it out there to a group of people who understand because at the end of the day they're not following an autism awareness page for the laugh you know they're following it because they're either they have autism in their lives and they're connected to it or they want to learn more about it and there while there is a bit of judgment on social media in general it's it's been as much of a support to me as what people have said it has been for them you know I've gotten to know amazing people like like realistically without social media we never would have known each other I never would have known a lot of people who around the world who have kids on the spectrum and like it's opened up doors for us I think socially and to get to know people and to make more awareness that I could never have done without it and I just think for me it's like definitely like form therapy it's Mm. like I can put my feelings out there and I'm the type of person anyway that I'll put it out there and even if it's a controversial opinion not to start an argument but at the end of the day if that's what I feel I'm going to say it and it's lovely when it comes to the world of disabilities that parents have a voice because for so long they didn't have a voice and what I love is the interaction because I could put something up and I'm like okay I'm actually not alone in this you know and people will send in like I get the the loveliest messages in the world from people and like at the moment not even just from parents I'm actually getting them from people who are on the spectrum themselves and it's so lovely because I'm like these are people that I can relate to because that's my little boy you know and I just think it's just been the best thing I ever decided to do pressing that publish button was the best thing I ever decided to do definitely I 100% agree you know I've said this a few times I, I feel the same that for as much as our stories help other people it really helps me you know whether it's two comments or 20 comments it doesn't matter it's just yeah even if you've got one comment of someone who gets it and who understands what life is like and as you said you just get to know more people who are in a similar situation yeah and you don't feel alone Mm. you know which is lovely so one of the sort of features of your page is you you produce these quite emotional videos that uh, (laughs) seems to go viral (laughs) i get these Um, crazy ideas yeah (laughs) <laughs> so, so there's one this week wasn't there or this week or last week that um yeah it yeah. was published last this day last week last friday and it this one i had the idea for a while but i didn't actually think that i could pull it off what i wanted was to explain autism but from the view of an autistic person and from the words of an autistic person and luckily I think through the page and through the campaign and with my own friends I do know a lot of like people on the spectrum and people that have kids with autism and I approach them and it just came together I've made a few videos and they've always done well but this one I was really nervous about and I don't know why but I think it's because 
I was putting these people out there on my page and I didn't want anything bad to come back from it. Yeah. No, it couldn't have been further from what I thought when it went out and it went out within 24 hours. It was after being viewed 100,000 times and like it just has gone crazy. We're over half a million views at the moment on it. But yeah, but you know what? I always say it's not the views and it's not the likes. I don't care about likes and I don't care about people you know sharing my page and all this what I care about is teaching people and I think Mm. this video has really really touched people because it's literally coming from the mouth of babes and it's like our kids and people older it's so literally it has kids teens and adults on the spectrum and we wanted to do that because we wanted to show that like realistically our kids do still grow into adults and they still have autism you know and I just think that it's very raw and I made it like I put it all together and I still cry watching it, you know, because it really hits home. But the the amount of messages and stuff that we've gotten about it on the page has been crazy. I've gotten messages only last night. I got a message from a lecturer in a college in Manchester wanting to show it as part of their course. And I'm just hoping that this video is one that's going to teach people, you know, because who better to teach people about autism than people who are actually on the spectrum themselves? Because at the end of the day, I think I always say I can speak about it and I can share my experience, but I'm not on the spectrum, you know, yeah. and it's lovely to hear from a person's point of view who is. Yeah, of course. I mean, what we share is our viewpoints, our, our, you know, how we see what's happening. Exactly. Um, but obviously, yeah, I've had a few autistic adults on the podcast. It's great to... Yeah, you know. and they were fabulous. And it's lovely mm. as a parent to hear an autistic adult speak, I think, definitely. Yeah. For me, it is definitely, do you know? So definitely, I watched the video again before we start the podcast today. I 100% recommend everyone who's listening to go and check out Nicole's page. And at the very least, just watch that video because you definitely it's about four or five minutes long. And you, yeah, it's... It's amazing. It's definitely well Thank worth you. a watch. Just before we wrap up, just if you want to remind everybody of the name of your page and how best to follow you. Um, so the page is called My Boy Blue. We're on Facebook and over on Instagram as well. Facebook would, would be our major page, really. Yeah. Um, but we are over on Instagram and you'll see Riley a lot in the stories and stuff over on Instagram as well. He loves the camera. And yeah, Facebook would be the major one, definitely. Perfect. And I just want to say thank you, Nicole. Um, thank you for obviously for coming on and having a chat with us today. Thanks thank so much for, for having me. <laughs> for persuading me to get involved in the world of Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, thank you for everything that you do, like these videos, these campaigns, and just sharing Riley's story. You know, I I love catching up with you guys every day and seeing what you're up to. And I know there's many, many families around the world who who feel the same. So thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you. And, it's just sorry, life now. It's just life at the moment to share it, you know. It's yeah. lovely. And I enjoy it, so. Yeah, perfect. And just to wrap up, what's one thing just to leave with that you want the rest of the world to know about autism? Um, I think one thing that was said to me when Riley was being diagnosed, and I think it's always stuck with me, was like, yeah, he might be getting a diagnosis, but he's still the same little boy that you knew before he got that piece of paper and I think that's what I'd love people to know that like our kids are kids and you know anyone who has autism like they're not yes they might be different but as 
Fiona said in the video, like who says different is bad and, you know, just embrace it and go with it and learn with them. And that's the major thing that you can do with them, you know, and that's the best thing you can do for a family and for the person living on the spectrum, because all we want is acceptance, realistically. That's great advice to, to finish on. It's all about learning from our kids. Autism is different for everybody. And yeah, just let them teach us. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thanks so much, James. Thank you so much for joining me, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did. I'm sure you agree, Nicole's not only a fantastic mum, but she's doing a great job raising awareness and improving attitudes, let's say, in the autism community with all the different work that she's doing and the fundraising she's done. If you're listening to this on iTunes, if you could take a moment and leave a review, that would really help more people find the podcast. And if you've got any feedback for me, please send a message, either through Facebook or Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks for listening, and we'll have another podcast up next week.